Being a professional mathematician. Jackie Steddle, Senior Research Fellow in the History of Mathematics at the University of Oxford, talks about Thomas Harriot, circa 1560 to 1621. Thomas Harriot lived from the end of the 16th century into the early 17th century, and for a very large part of his life he worked on topics that at the time were considered mathematical. This was quite a broad range of topics, not only arithmetic, algebra, geometry, but also astronomy, optics, ballistics, and a little bit of alchemy and some physical experiments as well. Harriet never had a paid job in the way that we would recognise it today. Instead, he worked under private patrons. The first of those was Walter Raleigh, who is very well known in other respects. Um, the second of, Han- Henry, of Harriet's patrons was Henry Percy, the Earl of Northumberland. Both Raleigh and Percy spent quite a long part of their lives in the Tower of London, but nevertheless they remained friends with Harriet and supported his work. Harriet lived in one of Henry Percy's houses, uh, Zion House, in Middlesex on the Thames, uh, with a private income and so was able to support himself to indulge in his mathematical researches. Uh, This he did for about 25 years. This was not a pattern for all mathematicians at the time. There were, by the early 17th century, beginning to be paid jobs in mathematics. For instance, Gresham College was founded in the 1590s and employed people to lecture in mathematical topics. Henry Briggs, for instance, was one of the first Gresham professors. And then in the early 17th century, in 1619, the Savile Chairs were founded in Oxford in geometry and astronomy. And again, Briggs was one of the first professors of geometry. In fact, there was quite a lot of interchange between the Gresham professors and the civilian professors in Oxford. So there were paid positions, but they were few and far between. It was probably more common to work as Harriet did under a private patron. One of Harriet's first ventures into mathematics, and indeed this is an interest that continued for the rest of his life, was navigation. And clearly this was a practical topic of of huge importance at the time. This was a period when people were beginning to explore the world much more widely, especially by sea. Harriet himself made a long sea voyage in 1585. He sailed on one of Raleigh's expeditions to America and spent a year living on the east coast of North America in the area that's now North Carolina and Virginia. Clearly this influenced him hugely and uh, it's not surprising that he continued to be interested in navigational problems after he returned. So he did a a large number of calculations to do with navigation. So this was one of the most practical aspects of his work. Another very interesting, quite minor problem in a way, that, that led to a lot of interesting work for Harriet, was the stacking of cannonballs. And there are two very interesting pages amongst his manuscripts where he discusses the problem of stacking cannonballs how many cannonballs would fit into a pile of a certain size, for instance, or the converse question, given a certain number of cannonballs, what base and height do you need to make your pile to accommodate that number? This led him into studies of what we now call triangular numbers, square numbers, 
figure at numbers generally, and he did an enormous amount of work on these particular kinds of numbers. And this led him far, far away from any practical problems of stacking cannonballs into a very interesting interpolation method that he developed later in his life, a very sophisticated interpolation method that was eventually rediscovered by Newton 60 years later. As far as non-practical mathematics is concerned, yes, there's lots of that in his work. For instance, he did a great deal of work on algebra and the study of equations. He took up Viet's work on equations in particular. Viet had written about a method of solving polynomial equations numerically. Harriet took this up and developed it away from the practical aspect of solving equations to looking at the structure of equations. And in doing this, he discovered a property which we now take for granted, that you can factorize polynomial equations into linear or quadratic factors. And he did an enormous amount of work on, on this. So and this was a non-practical subject, but one that he spent a great deal of time on. Harriet worked essentially on his own. He did have a group of friends around him, and it's clear that he shared some of his work with them, for instance, he had a friend who particularly shared his interest in astronomy, John Prothero, and they made astronomical observations together. He had another friend called Walter Warner, and after Harriet's death, Walter Warner was probably one of the people who continued Harriet's work, and so we know that he learned a lot from Harriet. But Warner was never such a good mathematician as Harriet was, and didn't really understand fully what Harriet was doing, but it's clear that they discussed certain things together. So yes, Harriet had a circle of friends around him with whom he discussed his work, but really he was the one who initiated and took things further. Harriet seems to have been very little in touch with mathematicians outside his own circle of friends. Henry Briggs, for instance, is one of the people who you might think that he was in touch with, but there's no evidence that he was. They shared lots of interest in navigation, in log on logarithms, but there's no evidence that they ever actually met. This question is very tantalising. One would like them to have met, but we don't know that they did. He did correspond with Kepler for a short time, but the, um, the correspondence petered out quite quickly and doesn't really contain much of interest. It seems that Harriet was actually rather reluctant to tell Kepler what he knew, and so, although Kepler might have liked to continue corresponding, Harriet just didn't, and as I say, this correspondence petered out. So no, he was not very much in contact with other people at the time. Well, mathematicians at the time could publish their work, it was possible, but Harriet didn't publish any of his mathematical work in his lifetime, and none of his manuscripts were published. Dissemination was through the circulation of manuscripts, as I said, he had a small group of friends and clearly they discussed work together and some of those friends copied out some of the manuscripts but uh, there was no print publication, so no publication in the sense that we now recognise it. And this continued after his death. He asked in his last will and testament that his manuscripts should be published and a few of them were about ten years after his death but most of them weren't. And the problem was that they defeated any attempt at print publication because there were so many of them, because they were disordered, because they were not finished properly, and so on. So although some of the manuscripts circulated, they remained unpublished to the present day. 
In his own lifetime, Harriet was quite well known amongst the mathematical community in England and very highly regarded. He was counted with Diggs and Dee, for instance, as one of the leading mathematical practitioners of the time. After his death, his reputation has gone up and down over many years. Certainly in the 40 or 50 years after his death, his reputation lingered on and he was highly regarded. And, for instance, the Royal Society in the 1660s made quite a lot of effort to trace his papers because his reputation at that time was was still high enough that they wanted to discover the manuscripts and uh, see for themselves. But unfortunately, by that time, no one could remember where the manuscripts were and, in fact, they were thought to be lost. And so the, 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 the Royal Society had no success in rediscovering them. And so Harriet's reputation really at that point went into decline because there was nothing to support his work. The manuscripts were rediscovered in the 18th century at Petworth, hidden underneath the stable accounts, and at that stage there was renewed interest in Harriet and particularly in his work in astronomy, uh, which hadn't really been so much recognised in his lifetime. But when the papers were rediscovered, it was seen that, for instance, Harriet had made um, telescopic observations at about the same time that Galileo was doing so. He'd seen sunspots and he'd seen the moons of Jupiter. So, of course, then there was controversy as to whether Harriet or Galileo was first. In fact, Galileo was first, but only by a few weeks, and Harriet had made very similar observations at around the same time. So Harriet's reputation again rose... But again, there were problems in publishing any of this material, and so again, Harriet went into decline, or his reputation went into decline, really until the 20th century, when there's been renewed interest in his work. It's an interesting question what Harriet himself would have called himself. Probably not a mathematician, although all the topics that he was interested in would have been seen as mathematical or would have seen as coming under what was then called mixed mathematics. Optics, for instance, came under mixed mathematics. It was counted as a mathematical subject, but it's a practical subject that involves a certain amount of mathematics. I think he might have called himself different titles at different times, perhaps an astronomer when he's doing astronomy, a geometer when he's doing geometry. I'm not sure that he would actually have used the term mathematician. It's a difficult one. We don't know what he called himself. It's difficult to know what patrons wanted from the, the people that they funded. To a certain extent, there was practical work which the patrons would have been interested in, in navigation and astronomy, for instance. But a lot of the work that Harriet did, for instance, his, his research in algebra and geometry, would probably not have been of great interest to the patrons. At the same time, I think there were people who were concerned to support mathematics even when they didn't understand it fully themselves. This was true of Henry Percy, it was true of Raleigh to some extent, it was true of other people like the Earl of Arundel, who was another aristocratic patron, it was true of Charles Cavendish. All of these people were interested in mathematics and wanted to support it without fully understanding possibly what it was they were supporting. Nevertheless, their support was hugely important because it enabled people like Harriet to flourish and survive and do their work, which really was very important in forming a mathematical community in England at the time. 
This recording was created for the project Being a Professional Mathematician, supported by the MSOR Network, the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, and the Universities of Greenwich and Birmingham, as part of the National HE STEM programme. It is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike Licence.